Hello, I'm Roger Bisbee. I'm Robin Clevett. And we're from Skill Builder and we've got podcast number four for you. We're going to be talking about bad debts, not getting paid, the nightmare of every tradesperson, every self-employed person. And even some bigger businesses is when you go to work, you put your best effort into it and then the people don't pay the bill. Exactly. And there's a lot of reasons why that might be the case. There's too many reasons to mention. I mean, taking it from, you know, the worst case scenario is people may have set out in the first place to engage with you and not pay you they must they might just be ruthless quite a lot of the time it comes down to things like the fact you haven't got your invoicing on time or something like that what about your experience well let's take the innocent let's take let's take the most evil side rather than the innocent side of it i mean i think everyone knows when you're saying you know the evil the ones who don't pay you the ones who actually set out at the beginning not to pay you when you actually start finding out about these things especially with social media now mm. is that the names go around and people yeah. say to you you know you're talking to the local merchant and they go oh I work for that bloke mm. he did exactly the same thing to me and yeah. you find out these people are systematically mm. going in getting a tradesperson and then knocking them yeah. so that's my whole thing about recommendation is yeah. that the recommendation works two ways it's not only about you being recommended mm. by customers to other customers it's also about those customers being recommended to you yeah so i'll go along with that i would start you know when somebody phones me up and i'd say where'd you get my name from and then they say oh you did a job for my neighbor joe and you know he liked it then immediately i'm interested because that means that if they're going to knock me, then Joe's going to find out about it. He's going to go, how come you knocked that bloke? He did a good job for me. You've spoiled a relationship. So you know straight away that if it comes through that route, they're less likely. And I'm not mm. saying it's, they won't do it, mm. but they're far mm. less likely to knock you. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, let, me, let me give you a quick example of my experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've always worked in the domestic arena and also a little bit on sort of site work and commercial work and working for local authorities. So my career spans sort of 30 years and in that 30 years, I've sort of done all sorts of things. And sometimes I might be working one month for a local authority, which would be typically 30 days, but you knew you were gonna get the money once the job had been signed off because you know they just wouldn't not pay you. Mm. But equally, it was quite difficult cash flow wise. And then I'd work for small builders going to do roofs and that sort of stuff. And generally speaking, when I was there doing the roof, because it's in the middle of the job, they still had money on the job. But if I went back to do the second fix, by that time, they may have fallen out with the client and they were being held up with the money and they were getting you there to desperately finish it and stretching your time out, say, oh, I can't pay you until week after next. And that's when my alarm bells used to ring. So for me, I I used to stop doing the second fix because the money had always run out on the mm, job at that time interesting. and stay on the roofs yeah so I mean there was times where I, I had a lot of people who sort of say I can't pay you this week I'll pay you next week and it was just a nightmare I mean it's the sort of thing that oh, you lose sleep over you can't pay your, your food shopping and you've got you, you, you know you, you've got your partner saying I we haven't got any money and I'm like and you're like I know, I know I'm, I'm onto it and then they say why don't you phone them up I say if I phone them up they're going to get upset they're going to get angry with me they might not even pay me or they might find a reason not to pay me they might have said we don't like what you did with that or something like that and really out of it which is mm. another thing you know i think this is the problem and, and it's also the problem with private customers is that when you fall out with them once you tip over that balance where you're going into say you're going to take them to court mm. or you you're threatening them or you're doing something else at that point where you go from being amicable to not yeah they're not going to pay you no they're going to wait because you, you've now lost their faith you've, they're not going to salvage anything from the relationship in other words you're never going to work for them again mm. they're never going to employ you mm. what have they got to lose mm. whereas all the time there's something else going on then so i mean you know it, it, like you said it's as 
there's as many reasons and variations on this theme as you could ever imagine and i think that most tradespeople who are watching this and let, let's hear your experiences we really need to have your your experiences because that's what's going to make this interesting at some point we have to talk about how we can avoid it in the future yeah yeah okay so so what, what, tell us about when you've been knocked have you been knocked um i'm pretty lucky i could probably count on one hand hmm. how many times in my whole career that I haven't been paid. So the couple of reasons were I was working for limited companies mm. and they folded up all of the creditors. So I was a creditor, I didn't know what that meant at the time. They were going out of business probably a month before we left the job. So we'd run that month up, we'd worked and worked and worked and then the banks foreclosed or whatever happens or someone's taking them to court or suing them and then they shut the business. And the next thing you know, you just um, you phone up and there's, and there's an auditor or someone there yeah, saying, yeah. we're now looking after this. Mm. So that, that was what, that, I've had a couple of those before and I think everyone who's done any kind of work for sort of larger building firms as a subcontractor. They always knock the subbies. It's systematic, isn't it? They take these big contracts on, yeah. they get all the subbies and of course you get suckered into it because yeah. they say, oh, there's loads of work here. There's at least 200,000 quid's worth of work here. So you get a couple of your mates in, suddenly you're running it up and they know at that point that they're going to knock you. Yeah. They're going to run this job right through to the point where they just bankrupt the whole firm yeah. and, and walk away with, with your money. Yeah, and I actually think that the system in, this U in the UK, if you start a limited company, hmm. by default, you're not personally liable for uh, debts that accrue. So if you start a building company as a limited company, I'm not suggesting people do it, but I'm sure for people I've met, I thought to myself... This, I've heard this is the third time you've gone bankrupt or you've, mm. you've folded a company up mm. and then they're starting up the next day or whatever and they've still yeah. bought back all their assets and they're sort of saying, well, sorry, the debt's with the other company. I say, no, but I was working for you. No, he was actually working for the... And it's horrible. Mm. It's absolutely... It should be changed. It should be, it should well, be changed. Historically, the reason why limited companies were set up in the first place, the whole mechanism was set up, the debt thing, you went to debtor's prison. You know, mm. so people were frightened of starting a business up because they think if I if this goes wrong for me and yeah. I end up in debtor's prison, I'm going to sit there till I rot until my debts are paid. So so that was a terrible sort of Dickensian thing that they did. So they said, right. So what we're going to do is we're going to set up the Limited Company Act, whereby your exposure to mm. it, your your liability is strictly mm. limited to whatever shares mm. are in the company. Mm. So so it's not going to affect your mm. your personal assets. To, to a certain extent, this is true. Mm. Of course, it's not totally true. But yeah, then people started gaming it. They started using it as a, as a way of, mm. of robbing people. Mm. You know, mm. So that, that is actually criminal, mm. you know, but it's done all the time. I had a very similar job, which I did for somebody, a few thousand quid. Guy went bankrupt and you get that horrible sick feeling in the pit mm. of your stomach when you mm. think I've done all that work I could mm. have been fishing I could have mm. been out riding my mm. bike I could have been sitting in a mm. deck chair and I've been working working mm. working and now I'm going to get nothing from yeah. it yeah. and that is very hard to stomach and I had one of those where the guy just went bankrupt you know and I mm. knew he'd still got everything so mm. it was probably a year later that somebody phoned me up and they said you know that guy that knocked you he started up again he's in business again he's doing the same thing and I phoned him up Lo and behold, he answered, same yeah. phone, everything else, yeah. the same. Yeah. And I said, oh, you know, and I said, I hear you started up in business. No, no, not me. I, I was bankrupt. I can't start up in business. Uh, this is my wife's company. I said, so what? You're an employee for your wife, are you? Yeah, yeah, it's not me at all. Mm. So I said, right. So I said, you still got your BMW, have you? Mm. And uh, you're still having your skiing holidays and your kid's still going to private school, blah, mm. blah, blah. And everything's rocking mm. along nicely mm. for you. Mm. And I said to him, look, as far as I'm concerned, you still owe me that money. Well, I don't because it was a limited company. So I said, no, 
on a moral yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you owe me that money mate yeah and i said to him and this was back in the day of fax machines not yeah. not, not computers the internet and everything i said i've got a fax machine here and i've got a list of people in this industry and i said i'm going to sit here all night sending faxes to everybody telling yeah. them what a you are and telling them not to have anything to do with yeah. you and not to work with you or, or give you any work and he said like, I said honestly I said I'm going to start now I'm going to start in 10 minutes he said to me I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay you out of my own account he said I don't have to do this yeah. he said, a gesture of goodwill he said I'm going to pay mm. you and uh, you know we'll settle this you know because you're obviously mm. grieved and it's like, it suddenly becomes mm. your fault doesn't mm. it you know mm. so I said to him well you're going to have to pay me fast I said, because I'm not taking this, you yeah, send yeah. me a check tomorrow. My finger is poised on that send mm. button and you've got to get me a check. Mm. And he actually biked a check over mm. to me. Brilliant. Got a courier, he sent Brilliant. me the check over and I thought, well, I'm not out of it yet because I still want to cash yeah. it. Yeah, and the check, yeah, and the checks used to bounce. That's yeah, the other thing as yeah. well. I mean, how often years ago did I take someone, you owe me this money, blah, 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 it's been a month overdue. They say, I'll come and pick a check up. And you'd go there and they get you pick the check up and it hadn't been signed, for example. So mm. you had to get the check, you had to study it. Is the date right? Has it been signed? Is it the right amount? Is there any mistakes? So that's the first thing. Yeah. Then you take it to the bank, pay it in, the money shows in your account. Three days later, money's gone Boing. from your account again. Yeah. The check has bounced. And then you go, oh, it's an absolute nightmare. Then you have to represent the check. This is all in the past now because thank goodness for electronic payments. That's another good thing, Banks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because you say to people, here are my terms. I've talked about this before weekly invoice because you can just you're only exposed to what mm. you can possibly lose a week's money yeah. and and you know a little yeah. bit of material and you the guys yeah. and you you know that they can pay you electronically because as soon as they've made that first one on time you know they can do it mm. that's brilliant you yeah, know yeah. it's a measure yeah. it's an absolute measure. it is and also from from my point of view being a you know a small job in plumber if you like going around sometimes i go you're not that to, small well <laughs> six or seven jobs in a day maybe you yeah, know yeah. and uh, every one of those are, you know you say oh have you got the money no i haven't got the money can't pay you the cash blah 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 and um of course you couldn't take a credit card in those right. days now with the card reader yeah i would never be in that situation now because i'd take a little card reader yeah. out of them swipe the card in fact i know plumbers there's plenty of them uh, the bigger companies that get the payment before they leave the absolutely. house absolutely and that's that's terrible yeah. in a way yeah. but they do it well, well i don't know many other industries that you'd price a job uh, it'll be done speculatively you agree to take the job on as well you don't do any kind of credit checks as well i mean you can't go and get a mobile phone contract without and doing two or three credit checks on you, yeah, okay? Yeah. And that's just for £25 a month contract, for example. We don't do any of that. We take people on their word. Then you go, you commit to buying material, you spend time and money doing the work, say for a month, put an invoice in, and then you wait 30 days, which is 60 days. What other industries yeah, are yeah. there where you physically produce? I'm not talking about if you're, I know lawyers sometimes work for months and then they'll send you a whacking great bill. It's kind of a different way. Their bills are huge. They can afford to take that risk because everyone they get, they get paid, they're going to cover yeah, their costs whereas also, also they're not working on it like you you say they're working for months yeah. and actually a lot of the time there's it's not, a couple of hours a year a couple of hours <laughs> yeah, there, there's yeah. not anything going on there is it it's but, like you're putting in the materials and the sweat i know but, but but the whole thing about bad payers um so we've, we've used the example of someone who's deliberately not going to pay you we've used another example you said about you're going to fall out with, with people or people are going to find an issue with something deliberately yeah absolutely to avoid paying you so they're going to sort of say i'm really not happy with that and you say well, well what what's wrong with it well it doesn't look very good i said that's because the existing wall is so far out which mm. well why is it so far out? well that's how it was so mm. unless you rebuild that wall 
well, you should have rebuilt it. Why should I rebuild it? You haven't asked me to rebuild it. You should know that your wall's bad. Yeah, and those conversations. So um, when we talked previously in podcast one about price conditioning, I said about writing about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. There's a classic example of spotting the fact that you know that the best thing to do would be rebuild that wall. But if they haven't asked you to do that because they're trying to competitively get you to quote for it, yeah. you need to say, I am not rebuilding the bad wall and this will happen. So managing expectations again mm. to enable you to get paid on time, to enable you to be in a position not to get into awkward situations, which is likely to result in someone yeah. finding a way of not paying you. And it's a horrible argument. And not only don't they want to pay you, they want a bad mouth you to everybody. Mm. And it's just awful. And because you sometimes dress like a bit of a tramp, because we work in, in dirty conditions, people think you are a tramp. It just frustrates the absolute would, would, hell out of Would me. you say, I mean, I, I totally agree with everything you say. And there's, there's one thing that you said that really has stayed with me, had an effect on me, as you say, the first thing I look, do when I go to a job is that, how am I going to get paid? That's the first thing I look yeah. at, not what the job is no. or anything else. How are these people going to pay me? How yeah. are we going to arrange that? Yeah. And therefore, you kind of know from the beginning yeah. that's something you've got to yeah. you've got to address and sort out. Yeah. Now, what I'm just wondering, because I think about my instances of not being paid, there have been very few as well, is there something there that you see at the time that after they've knocked you, you think, do you know what? I smelt that. I had a kind of feeling about that. And yet I carried on. I carried on in, in good faith and let it go. Because you, your idea of, of getting paid weekly is fantastic. Because what often happens is that you've got stage payments. Say you've got three stage mm. payments in a job, you know, mm. and you're getting something up front. You get something in the mm. middle and you get something at the end. Mm. It's that end one yeah. that they're just not going to pay. They probably haven't even got the money yeah. by then. But that's the one where they start with your snaggings and then they're just hanging out and hanging yeah. out, hoping. Yeah. That you'll fall out with them yeah, yeah. because if you fall out if you start having yeah. an argument yeah. over that wall and yeah. it's, it's out yeah and, and, and you're right and the worst thing is you start um, you know I've done this from experience of, and, and the, learning the hard way is you get to that when I did do stage payments which was going back a long long time and you've got let's say it was a £10,000 job and you've got 3000 left at the end and you're struggling to afford to finish it physically mm. thinking I've got to get right across the finish line before I can put my invoice in yeah. and it, then you start sneaking away for the odd day because you need to earn a couple of hundred quid mm. to make sure you paid your rent this week and so you're sneaking off and all of a sudden you're not there and they're saying where there's no one here this week and i said well um i was waiting for the doors to come no but we had a, a phone call from the supplier saying they were there oh no one told me you know and, and it's, yes, you end up becoming yeah. and this excuses thing comes along and before you know it you, you, you're living a horrible life you're owed money yeah. you're worried about finishing it so yeah. and you're got, trying to remember what got, story you told you, people yeah, as well you've got to avoid, avoid that at all costs you've yeah. just got to avoid that at all costs you've got to make sure that as Roger said you kind of have an idea of how you're going to get paid so if someone rings me up and they say we're a timber frame company we want you to go and erect 10 houses for us so before i even want to know where they are i'll say what are the terms what sort of terms can we agree and they'll say um well what, what, what do you mean i said well what i want to do is i want to be paid a week in advance first of all i'll try for something like that a week yeah, in advance. Yeah, yeah, sure. um, we're going to send five guys on day work and you pay us a week in advance and then we do a tally every, at the end of every week so you always and if they turn around and agree it fantastic you know yeah, that they're yeah. they, they they 
appreciate. We've never worked before. We need these guys. They've got the manpower. We really need that manpower. We need to show our hand. And there's nothing wrong with that. People might think, what, get paid in advance? Mm. Five guys, you might, you know. But be brilliant, it's good. You, you, but there's no reason at that point, that's the one and only point you're gonna get at the beginning to negotiate terms. It's no good after you started the job to say, oh, by the way, I, I, I want you to pay me before we've agreed, because if you haven't agreed- The, the great thing about that is, as a negotiation stance, right, is you've already started out, you know, as Donald Trump said to Theresa May, if I can say this, right, he said, go in for twice what you want, right? Yeah. So you've said to the guy, we need paying in advance, and you yeah. go, oh, we can't do that, we yeah. never pay people in advance. They say, well, that's how we work, that's what we want. And he's going, well, we can't do it. So then his climb down position is, look, I'll pay you after week one. Yeah. Whereas if you went in there and yeah, said, yeah. I want you to pay me after week one, he'd say, we can't do that, we yeah. pay you after week yeah. two or week three yeah. or the end of the month. So yeah. so at least you've, you've that's mm. a very good opening gambit. Yeah, it, it, it is, and also, I mean, I've, uh, I've got a good friend of mine who, uh, um, a brickwork contractor and his business model was which is just industry standard he'd get asked to supply labor scaffolding sand and cement and wall ties okay so the bricks would come bricks and blocks and this is pretty standard across brickwork yeah, companies yeah, yeah. so you basically manage your men manage your sand and cement because you see that stuff's everywhere can't you so it keeps keeps the site tidy if the bricklayers are supplying it um, and your wall ties because you see them everywhere as well and um, so basically he would do 10 houses, for example. So he'd have maybe three gangs, um, three two and one gangs, and he would front that for a month before he'd put his invoice in. And it, would, was, it was murdering him, absolutely murdering mm. him. And I said to him, there are agencies out there who bricklayers go to work for, and those agencies aren't in the construction industry. All they are is administration people mm. who can source labor and sell it on. And they take a small commission. I said, "You are in a perfect position to stop doing the price, trying to find a price of job at sixty-five grand. Take a risk on it. Pay all the men up front. Wait for the money. Someone gets knocked, and you're a year behind. You're in a perfect position to be the ultimate brickwork agency. Not only do you know all about brickwork, you got the guys here, mm. and you just you might have forty guys at the moment. Pick your twenty best guys, sell them at three hundred pounds a day, pay them two hundred pounds a day. Mm. Yeah, but." On the proviso that those guys know they're getting paid really well, but for that they are going to be so punctual. They're going to be reading the drawings. They're going to be representing the company. <laughs> what a great business model! And he was yeah. like, "Oh, that'd be so good." And it, it would work. I mean, if Stelios Hanios was thinking of a business model for building trade, what we call it easy bricking. It would be something like that because he's a, a guy that knows how. Would it be orange as well? We'd have orange hives, wouldn't we? <laughs> well, we do have. We have a yellow one, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'd have those road workers, yeah, yeah. Well, train worker ones. Yeah, we? but, yeah. um, but no, seriously, that's that's the whole thing. We need a real paradigm shift if we want to get paid more. We need to start valuing what our worth is and also protecting our futures. And if we all stuck together, all we these won't, trades... We won't know. That'll never happen, will it? There's, there's well, no can't way. skill I mean, builder be talking, the ones that help? Do you know what? That I'm old enough to remember going back the, the days of the Barbican when they built the Barbican in London and that's when the trade unions were strong. Right. That's when they used to just walk out over the slightest thing and they could hold that job to, to ransom. And a mate of mine, funnily enough, when I was at school, his brother was a lagger. And I said, what are you going to do when you leave school? I'm going to become a lagger. <laughs> what, lagging pipes? Lagger. No yeah. way. No, no, I'll tell you what, because they worked on the Isle of Grain power station and everything else. And those guys brought that job to a halt 
because they were the last ones on site lagging the pipes and that mm. was it and then it was signed off the job was done they could commission the power station so they held the whole site to ransom the laggers walked out the job didn't get done mm. none of the trade unions would touch it you know they would do it. because if you're on strike nobody crosses your picket line nah. as they say so you you literally could just close the whole site and people have remembered mm. this so the Isle of Grand was notorious there were loads of them like that because the finishing trade the last guy on site was the one who just held it all to yeah. ransom so they would pay them yeah. because they go look this is so close to being finished now that we might as well just pay them off you know take the loss on that lagging job mm. and, and, and mm. go away so so my mate became a lagger as well because of that because it back in the days of the unions so I saw him about two years ago funnily enough in a, in a merchant somewhere I said hello oh, don't what are you up to now? What are you doing? He said, still lagging. Blimey. Still f***ing lagging. <laughs> so, he obviously had his, he said, you know, yeah. but, but it's a 40 but, years on it. But it is a shame that we can't just formalise the way tradesmen should yeah, work. We, I mean, businesses again, work. you're going back to the union thing and that's yeah. how it was done. And, and, and all that has finished. And as I say, the Barbican was the, the beginning and the end of all that. The fights there, you know, the whole whole thing got pretty ugly and and, and and like the print and all these other things it's all become de-unionized and yeah. we're all on our own it's dog eat dog most people watching this most people listening to the podcast would say yeah it is unfair as an injustice like you say it seems like everything is stacked against us the small builders mm. the small traders mm. who go out in good faith do the job don't get paid in terms of the law i would say that the law is completely unjust because if you went into a shop and you walked out with all the goods and you just walked straight out blazingly through the door, said, these are mine, and then the shopkeeper said, no, I want them back, they would just call the police and yeah, get them yeah. back. Now, if you go in, as I go in, the central heating system, bathroom suite, I've, I've fronted yeah. all that money, I've paid for everything, I've put it all in the house, and they decide not to pay me. It's not my you property. You can't go back and get it's it. It's not my property. Now, legally, you can't, and we've had a few high-profile cases where people did just this and where people just went and destroyed destroyed their mm. work you know the guy that's been JCB, yeah. who's gone he's got four years in prison for it well probably went a little bit over the top yeah. i'd say but 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 you can understand it you can yeah. understand the frustration because yeah. these people are callously saying so take us to court and you say i don't want to take it to court yeah. it's going to take forever because some of these jobs are outside the small claims thing mm. you know so they're too big for mm. the small claims court and you start thinking about it you're thinking of legal fees yeah. and everything else so so to me i used to put on the back of my quote actually not on the invoice but on the back of the quote and then on the back of the invoice it said all all materials supplied remain the property of the contractor until the invoice is paid yeah. in full now i hoped that that would mm. scare a few mm. people off mm. and say he owns mm. this kit mm. and of course they would sign the, the contract before you start but actually i was told that that wasn't mm. even legal that, mm. that you mm. couldn't enforce mm. it so how do you enforce it you'd, you, have to, you'd have to trespass wouldn't you I, I think i think you've really hit on a good point there i mean that especially about the fact that you know you want to go and take your brick work your brick wall down or something or, but, but let's uh, face it you don't actually because who wants to do that that guy didn't want to smash that place up with a jcb but you, it, you're desperate so mm. it, it, you you're holding that over there but there are so you? many uh, basically we'll come back to the original point uh, we, we made in the first place about price conditioning we are craftspeople artisans we're builders first Hmm. Secondly, we learn business because hmm. as a matter of survival or having to fit into a business model. So the worst thing is, there's so many legalese things yeah, like, not lawyers, like this sure. that we don't understand. For example, I had a mate recently who was owed a lot of money. 
mm. for um, like up over a hundred grand. Mm. And the person who owed him the money has been giving him lots of promises about, yeah, we're going to send the money, we're going to send the money. It's got to come through South Africa, and it's you know an overseas developer, mm. and he was over there doing a development over here. And he said, oh no, it's just it's just a bit held up, blah blah blah. They sent him a thousand pounds, and I said, don't bank it because someone told me once that if someone owes you money and they send you a little bit and you t you accept the little bit, it's kind of like you've you've accepted the fact they're making an effort to pay you. And if you don't take that money, I'd love someone to be out there watching this saying, no, no, I know this rule because I can't remember it fully. Yeah, we should we should get somebody on. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, to clarify that, uh, maybe if you know a lawyer or someone who's dealt with this before. Mm. But basically, I said. From memory, don't take the thousand. Say no, I can't accept this payment. We need the full and final settlement of the invoice or the full invoice amount because it was a way of them buying more time. Because if you did try to take them to court, they'd say, "Well, the judge would say actually um, they did make an effort to pay you." Really, I've never heard. Yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. another wriggle out. It's, and the people, yeah. it's all the people who know the tricks to do it. You yeah, know, yeah, to, sure. Um, and I'm sure in the construction industry, you think in the boom time, if you've got, a, if you're a big house builder and you've got 60 days on your labor, you've got 60 days on your materials. Well, if you equate how long it takes to put up a new house, a timber frame house, brick skin, is probably over a period of 60 days if you're doing that many. So mm -hmm. what you're effectively getting is credit Free. on yeah. the whole build uh, yeah. before, and you're probably signing buyers up off plan, yeah, you're yeah. selling that before you've even. You I mean, what deposits. a great business model! The, who's you've got, got the, the deposits coming in before you? Yeah, start? who's got yeah. the great business model here? You well, know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It's a good thought, but I, I would say that there needs to be some change in the law whereby if somebody has you in to do a job and you supply those goods and they don't pay you, at least the cost of the goods ought to be paid because mm. it's theft, mm. isn't it? It's straight, straightforward theft. It's like shoplifting, it, but there's it, no shop. It is, but it all, that boils down to the, the day that the first step is how am I going to get paid and who and, the, and get your clients to, to understand how much capital is required for their work, so how much material is gonna go into it. And you say right from the outset, my first payment will be for materials as they're delivered to site. As mm. soon, and then they become the property of the client. And if you can't make it back there to finish the work because you pulled your back out or something, at least you think, well, I can't, I've gotta go finish it because I've paid all that material out, yeah? yeah? So That's again, true. you've got to do that, guys. If you're in business and you're supplying material whether it's commercial, well, commercially is a bit more difficult, but if you're supplying material to the general public, you must get them to pay for that material as it lands on site. What if it gets yeah. stolen on their property? It's not yeah. your responsibility. You can't be there 24 hours a day watching that, that, it. That's actually an interesting one, isn't it? Because I've known people have done that, who've put all the plumbing in, all the copper pipes in, and of course the scallies have come and had yeah. it in the night time, and then they go back the next morning and all that work. Who's gonna pay yeah. for that? You know, they, it's yeah. awful. So, so even that, even that on your invoice, you've got to say, we'll supply the materials onto site, but once they're on site, we are not responsible for the security of that material, mm. you know, because what, you're open-ended, you know? Yeah. And, um, there's a thing called the JCT Minor Works Agreement. Right, yeah. Now joint, I joint council of trades. Yeah, yeah. I never ever do a JCT. People sometimes offer me work under JCT, but as a carpenter and joiner, I don't understand it fully. I wouldn't be prepared to sign something I don't fully understand. And it's so weighted. I know you can adjust it and adjust the terms and rest of it. And it's a framework effectively for <laughs> setting a job out. But it's so weighted on the side of the client, especially when you go and add a, a duration of the project on, mm. which is fatal. And, and the, other, the, the other thing that happens here is that even worse situation, not getting paid. Well, 
you end up having to pay them. And when they put those penalty clauses yeah. on it and you see your money leaking out of a job because it's not fair paid, yeah. it may not even be your fault yeah. sometimes, but, yeah. but you haven't finished on time yeah. and suddenly you're in a situation of paying them. You've got clients sitting in a hotel room because they can't get back yeah. in the house because you're and, and you're paying their hotel bills and I think no I've never ever signed one of those in my life no, you know if I, I see know. that if I see a penalty clause on that I say I'll walk away from the job yeah. it's not for me yeah and, and then people think you're unprofessional yeah, yeah people well, think you know but all you're thinking of is not is, is, they try is, and intimidate you yeah. don't they they try and make it like you're the unreasonable one that yeah. everybody else does is oh well, every, everybody else that works for us has these terms mm. and you say and, and I've had this with companies and they say uh, our terms are 60 days we'll say they're not my mm. terms they're your terms mm. don't you know you can't impose your terms mm. on me just because you decide you're not going to pay people mm. for 60 days what am I going to do you know yeah. What's, yeah. what's my wife going to do when she goes to shop you know yeah. it's, it's ridiculous a ridiculous yeah. situation people get angry I get very angry yeah. Over it, and uh, there have been times when I've got a little bit too angry. I mean, I remember, funnily enough, I, I did a job once. I was putting a radiator in, and the, the the customer said to me, "Can you fit a gas fire for us?" I said, "Yeah, I can fit the gas fire." You know, so I put the radiator in, piped the radiator up. That was all hot and running. I said, "Them, I need you know, whatever the money was," and he said, "Oh, you said you're going to fit the gas fire." I said, "Yeah, but you called me to fit the radiator. Yeah. I need to be paid." Yeah, yeah. And, and then and then the guy said to me. Well, if we pay you for the radiator, you might not come back and do the gas fire. Yeah, holding you to ransom. That's so, another thing. So I said, well, hang on a minute. I said, if you don't pay me for the radiator, why do I want to come yeah. back and do the gas fire? Yeah. Because I don't know whether you're going to pay yeah. me for that. Anyway, this guy was adamant. He wasn't going to pay me until I did the gas fire. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd said, he said a verbal contract because I'd said I was going to do the gas fire. And uh, turns out the guy's a solicitor. And I couldn't believe it. Mm. And... He said to me, well, you know, you'll find that, you know, this is, you, you're mm. in very dodgy legal ground. Anyway, just trying yeah. to bamboozle me and think yeah. of some kind of oik. Yeah. And I said, I'm not on dodgy ground yeah. at all, mate. Yeah. I said, because I've got a deck chair. I've got a little folding chair in the back of my <laughs> van. He said, oh, yeah, so what's that? I said, well, I'm going to set it up at the entrance to your drive. Yeah. And I'm going to sit there with a placard. Yeah. And every one of your neighbours who comes past, you go, this guy's not paid me. <laughs> and I said, I don't care. My wife will bring me a flask and sandwiches. I said, I will sit here all mm. day long mm. until you pay mm. me. I said, that's the way I operate. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and, and he paid me. Yeah. He got, you know, so, so there are so many variables on there. I mean, like Rogers, I've got a real classic one for you. This is something you probably wouldn't have heard of before. I see a lot of um, insurance work. So people used to get a leaky flat roof. And <laughs> I'd go in, I'd get asked by an assessor to go in and say well I can take the ceiling down I can put the ceiling up they give me a little framework this is what we want to spend this is what we want to pay for mm. so in Germany speaking when you turn up at someone's house they're not paying the bill they've got the insurance company paying the bill and they want you to build, rebuild the whole house because they've got yeah. a wet patch in the corner yeah. so the first thing you have to do is establish no 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 I'm just here to do this and straight away they're, they're, oh, they don't like you because you're working for the insurance company and the rest of it so you get over that one so I did a big job and it was a whole flat roof so they'd had four attempts at repairing it and when I got there I went into the house upstairs and looked on the other side of the wall where all this problem was down in the kitchen and there was a toilet which had had a someone had blocked the overflow on the outside when they did the flat roof and it was it was leaking ever oh, since yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. just soaking through the thermalite walls behind the kitchen units the kitchen units were rotten and this was going on for years no one had bothered to go upstairs to find the fact it wasn't the roof leaking it wasn't just the flashing it was someone had done the roof pushed the overflow from the cistern in the wall yeah, just yeah. Chop, chopped it off yeah. and the cistern was letting by the whole yeah, time yeah, yeah. probably about a litre an hour was coming yeah, through this thing really. and that yeah. was going 24 hours a day 
for years and they was fixing the roof drying it out anyway cut long story short that was quite an expensive job did you find that or sort of I found it straight away the first day I went there and I told the ad loss adjuster and technically speaking they shouldn't have been liable for it because it wasn't a roof problem it was a, uh, it was a fixture that should have been maintained yeah, it was bad workmanship. I know what you're saying, but, but leak, it's a leak from a fixed water appliance, which I would say was yeah. covered by insurance, but yeah, I've argued so, that case with many. But so anyway, I did, all, I did the work and the rest of it, and um, knowing it full well, this is going to be no problem. I'm, I've solved the problem. I know I've solved mm. the problem. And um, I saved the insurance company money because we didn't have to recover the roof and all the rest mm. of it, as so everyone was a winner. But in error, they paid the policyholder. So I was generally wait six weeks for the money. So after about six or eight weeks, I think I better give him a call. So I gave him a call and I said, oh, you know, invoice number. Oh, we paid that. I said, no, I haven't received the money. Yeah, we paid it on the, about a month earlier. I went, really? I said, well, I definitely haven't got it. And they said, they, they said they, who they spent, who they paid it to. They paid it to the policyholder, who then went AWOL on me. Um, they asked me to recover the money from the, the policyholder. Policy so and they spent your money? Yeah. The guy didn't have a very good grasp of English anyway. He was a diplomat. Yeah. And he made no, he, he had no recollection of the payment. He um, said it wasn't paid to him. And it was, it was like a month's turnover, which Dude, I was owed. I know, it was the wor one of the worst things I've ever been through. But it's experiences like that which harden you. I'm gonna I'm gonna really introduce something controversial now, right? I, you know, I hesitate to do this because we live in such a paranoid age. But I'm gonna say this now, and please don't lynch me for saying this, viewers and listeners. Culturally, what you said about his English wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. I've had these situations. I had a German lady, and I mean, we can't call this racist. I had a German lady who suddenly misunderstood what I was doing for her and thought I was doing the whole house. <laughs> spoken perfectly good English mm. up until that point where she suddenly her English wasn't so good and she right. misunderstood and I said no I never agreed to that I agreed to this and of course then we got into a big argument and I walked off the job and mm. everything else you know same mm. thing there's that and the other thing that happens an awful lot and, I, and loads of people this has happened to is there's a clash of cultures yeah, because the way that the British work oh, yeah. is that we agree a price for something. We might have a little bit of a haggle on it, but we agree a price. We do the job and that's the money we get. Now, in some other cultures, and mm. this is where I'm saying don't lynch me for this because I'm not being racist. Mm. You have to be so careful in Britain mm. nowadays. When you say that's why I've got like my mouth shut. Yeah, when you say anything like this, people say it no, straight on, the, on your case. But what I'm saying is that in different countries around the world, people have different ways of conducting business, yeah, different do. ways of going on. So what is perfectly acceptable in one country, which is to haggle before you do the job, mm. then you do the job and then they haggle again afterwards, right? Now, I can't stand that. And I say to people, look, you can't do this to me. And of course, for them, it's just yeah. normal. Mm. You know, and that's, they go, what do you mean we have to pay you what we agreed to pay you? It's time for a little bit of a... Uh, you know a, a renegotiation on it and you think no no you yeah, pay me that's what a really and that's that a is... really good point that's people hold you to ransom at the end of the job and say well actually i'm not going to pay you two thousand i'll give you fifteen hundred well exactly and i say hang on we've agreed oh. a price and they say yeah well that doesn't mean anything for yeah. them because they, that's how they conduct business in yeah. their country where they come from that's how they conduct yeah. business now when they come into the uk you think okay they should do it the way we do it but that unfortunately in yeah. this day and age is no longer the way yeah. is it people no, bring their true. own standards yeah. and the government government will protect them to the hill and yeah. you're suddenly accused of being racist or bigoted or whatever yeah. it's a nightmare but anyway what i'm saying is be prepared 
if you if you encounter people from different parts of the world mm. i don't care where they come from new zealand wherever you want to say you know it doesn't matter mm. pick a country even mm. america funnily enough mm. because i've had a few of these with americans where they promise you the earth yeah. and then they don't deliver but wherever it is and i know i'm getting in trouble here but so what you must be aware of that yeah and you must say to them look i need this this is this is an agreed price yeah. this does not yeah. change this yeah. does not change yeah. after the so job. so so the fears that you have going into that relationship should be why you tell them what you're not doing mm. and should be why you say this is a fixed price for this piece of work nothing else everything outside this scope is not is not covered for mm. and actually the other thing as well before i mean i'm a specialist in timber roof construction mm. and i've honed my skills through fanatical being fanatical about it practice 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 and over the years i've developed sort of techniques and, and calculations and all the rest of it and i can actually produce roof pretty quickly in fact i'd challenge anyone out there apart from my last apprentice josh because oh, he's really pretty damn oh, good. have a race between I, you and I josh challenge here. anyone out there if you want to cut cut and pitch a roof I'll take you on and I'll go against you. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, we're going to no have that. We're going to do that. Right? The roof no Olympics. At all. Right. Any pitch, any shape, I'll take it on. Now, so I've honed my skills and I know what I'm worth. So what, how I price those works jobs are, I imagine I'm paying car, regular carpenters to go and do that work. I think, well, they're going to take a lot longer than me. Mm. So I think, well, the job is worth 10 man days, a man day for a good carpenter. And that's what I'll price it for. I might do it in two Mm. and then they look at you and they go then they'll say someone will say you've earned this much money in two days and what they are or forgetting is the fact that i've given them 30 years of experience Mm. and it could have taken 10 days and it would have been the same money what they're buying from me is my knowledge and my service and Mm. i'm going to deliver exactly what they want swiftly and get it covered in you know it's going to be in the dry so there's another problem sometimes you need to make sure that people don't assume that you know i mean you'd go to um an estate agent you'd agree a one percent deal yeah. on selling a house at 500 grand it's going to be five thousand quid well you pay it and they could they could sell it in the first phone call selling the first phone call and you're still yeah. gonna give them five grand yeah, yeah you can't go back to them and go oh you sold it so quickly i want i want to pay you a pound it's just absolutely a, right. it's only our industry why is it our industry and also when you've got barristers and all these other people and they're yeah. all charging an absolute fortune and a, a, somebody writes a letter solicitor writes a letter to the bank and that's that's yeah. you know 300 quid you're buying, you're buying their knowledge you're buying yeah. their qualification why is it any different for us mm. no, it? I, I totally agree with in, you in it's, germany tradesmen are very respected and in yeah. other parts of europe as well they're very yeah. very yeah. respected and do you know what i can remember going to um, a german person's house first time I ever worked for a german person doing some plumbing very nice lady there and as I turned up, I said, I'm the plumber. And she shook my hand. I love and I think that's the first time ever. And if you saw our video on um, the, the uh, shower tray, you'd know why people don't shake my hand <laughs> as a plumber. But it was such a shock to me that she held out her hand to shake my hand. Mm. And I thought, well, there's a difference in attitude. I tell you and what. I've actually been told by one woman. I turned up at the front door. I said, I'm the plumber. She said, go around the back. Go around the back. Can't have you in the front. And I walked down the path. And went. I didn't even it, enter the house. It's so weird. Actually, going back to your, um, you're worried about sort of racial um, yeah, comments, yeah. saying the slightly the wrong thing is not politically correct and all the rest of it. You know, it's funny. I, um, I had uh, a couple in Wallington, uh, not Wallington, anyway, somewhere in South London, mm. and they asked me to come around for a quote, but I was just too busy for the next year to take it on. But I said, look, I'll come around and see you. I'll tell you what I think it's worth to you so you've got an idea mm. for the next people. And they really wanted me to do it. I'd done one up the road and all the rest of it. And... Um, this family were um, I think they were from Bangladesh originally but they've been the second generation in the UK yeah. really nice professional people lovely gaff 
and um, I said, look guys, um, I come round, I chat to you all about it, I tell you what you're in for. And while I was there, it was coming up to meal time and they insisted that I sat and had a meal with them. Yeah. And I, I was there knowing I'm not gonna do this job, but it was appropriate, that, and I was so hungry anyway, I didn't eat all day. And I sat down with the family and had a meal with them whilst we discussed a bit of building work and all the rest of it. And I, I told them in the outset, I'm not gonna be able to do work, but I'm happy to. And do you know what? What a wonderful experience that was. It was amazing. And they kept in touch with me. And then when they had a few issues on site, because I really liked the guy, he was a real yeah. smart guy. Yeah, yeah. And I just steered him. I said, because it works both ways. You know, if I, if I got, friends who have been building work done, they call me and say, is this normal? Yeah. But I'll never down, I'll never talk a builder down. I will say, look, let, let's have a look at the situation. And if it, generally speaking, I will help the builder get through it. Yeah. I would never take sides. In fact, I would probably side with the builders anyway. Yeah. That's funny you should talk about that with the um, getting fed. Yeah. Sit down because that is, a, funnily enough, I've come across that with a, an Irish racehorse trainer, very, very, you know, well-known right. racehorse trainer. And I was around there doing a plumbing job for him, you know, and uh, they sat down to eat. And it was an emergency plumbing job, so I was in the kitchen. I was like, and they're going to eat. And they said to me, do you want to eat? And I went, what? what do you, do you want to sit down and eat? You know, and it was some, oh, no, no, I can't possibly do that. No, no, come on, sit down and eat, you know. Nice. He said, you're a skinny looking fella, you need feeding up. He said, <laughs> sit down at the table. So there I was sitting down at the table, a lovely meal with them and everything else. And of course, you finish the job and then you think, oh, I'm going to charge them now. And then, yeah. Less the cost of the meal. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they were fine. They were right. absolutely fine. But it is funny, isn't it? Yeah. Some people are really egalitarian and you don't expect it. When, yeah. when you're a tradesman, you actually almost expect to have that, that tradesman's entrance. Yeah. And, uh, and, and do you know what? It's so weird. I mean, the variables about not getting paid or getting paid and the anxieties that go with mm. it and everything else, I think that's the worst anxiety of all. I mean, the weather's bad enough when you're trying to earn a crust, mm. but um, get, not getting paid. And yet, you never know. So I think I'm a fairly good judge of character. I went to see a lady once, and it was straight after Christmas. I didn't have any work and it was a job which I didn't really fancy but I thought I've got to take it and it was a job that this house a woman had bought the staircases were wrong um, she should never really got a mortgage on it because it was unmortgageable it was unfire safe and all the rest of it so I said I went around there and I said look you need to change these staircases she said oh that's a big job and the job evolved and evolved and evolved and I really I just didn't think that I would get on with this particular woman I thought oh no she's, she's going to be and you ended up marrying her no, but do you know what? How wrong I was in judge of character. She was the sweetest, nicest lady, uh, retired GP now, mm. and it was a pleasure to work for her. So you get it wrong. You absolutely mm. get it wrong. And then other times you think someone's really nice and they end up yeah, yeah. trying to screw you. Yeah, and they turn bit by bit by bit. Yeah, and you think, you know, it's frightening. So you can't judge character. No. You can't protect yourself from bad debt. Um, and uh, when somebody comes around, have you ever had a debt collection agency that comes around? What to me? Uh, oh, no, sorry, that, sorry, I'll put it the wrong way. Have you ever had one contact you say we will recover your bad debts for you? You used to um, get those quite a lot, then you contacted mm, me. Yeah, but I don't. I, I mean, I've never had to bother. use them. So, no, well, funnily enough, when people said to me, I always get that little conversation with them. You're working away, and they say, Have you ever been knocked? Well, people, do you ever worry about not getting paid and all the rest of it? And you wonder if they're fishing, and they're going, What happens if I don't pay this guy? And, so, and I say to them, No, no. It doesn't happen. Mm. I've never been knocked. And they go, oh, really? That's surprising. Mm. I say, no, no, I've never been knocked because mm. I use a debt collection agency. Mm. So it's quite... And I, say, and I say to them, no, this is a lie, but I say to them, and I've used a debt collection agency, and I say, I'm not going to tell you too much about this debt collection mm. agency, yeah. except that they have a 100% success rate. <laughs> 
So you put the scarers in it. Actually, actually, we better talk, talk quickly as well because there'll be people watching this thinking, what about invoice factoring? You're not talking about invoice factoring or insuring yourself against bad debts and all the rest of it. Yeah. So there are those solutions out there. And as you're growing your business, maybe you should look at it. But in, Invoice factoring is when somebody takes your invoice, they pay you a certain amount, then they recover it and they take the rest, yeah? Yes. So they'll pay a percentage. They'll pay you 90% of the invoice. Yeah, they'll take 10%. So you can build your business around that but there are some stringent, all based on your past performance, your credit rating, your standing with the bank. So before you can, you can't set up today and factor tomorrow. You've got to set up, grow your business, and then you can be introduced to a factoring agency, sometimes through your banks, and they will buy the debts off you, but they need to see a good track record of invoicing. Um, they need to understand what sort of bad debts you've had before, why you had the bad debts if, as well. If, for example, somebody was, they had a dispute with you, they yeah. weren't happy with the quality of the work, yeah. like, God forbid, not in your case, obviously, but if, if they said, all right, we're not happy, with, we're not paying for that because we, it doesn't come up to stand and goodness yeah. knows we've seen enough examples of that lately on Ask Skill Builder. Yeah. At that point, if somebody bought that debt from you, this factoring agency, yeah. and there was a dispute, if there's a dispute, no, I mean, you, you couldn't do that. You'd have to go no. through the, all, all the courts. The, no, those, those invoices have to be stamped and signed off by the recipient, say, yes, it's going to be in the system for payment. You can't. Oh, it can't really? be a disputed invoice. You oh, can't. Okay. You can't go to a factoring company. No, no, no. no that's what yeah. I'm just. I'm, no, it's I'm, a good I'm, point. I'm it's a great point. Yeah, I'm clarifying this for the viewer as well. But, but you know, I didn't it, know. No, anything. I mean, I've never used all, such a service. And all a factoring company is, is 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 a bit of an acceleration on your money. It's like it's like a loan until, yeah, yeah. and they don't really take any risk because I think the money you still. I think you'd owe them. The money. Oh, if you, really? Yeah, if they've paid you, I think you pay them back. I think it's contractually. Mm. All they're doing is pushing your cash flow forward a little bit more. I think there's a load more to cover here, but I think at this point we've got to wrap it up and maybe we'll revisit this. And obviously, we get the comments from our viewers and our listeners, and we'll be able to incorporate those into a future one. But but let's just say. So what would be your golden rule, your first rule okay. about avoiding bad payers? Okay, so my golden rule is when you're going to look at a job or understand a job, is the first rule is work out how you're going to be paid so ask the question how am i going to be paid as simple as that yeah and if they say don't like talking about money they no, get embarrassed, no. Don't they? so and i think it just um sh shows you as as a good business person by saying yeah that's absolutely great guys i'm really interested to come in to build your garage for you um how should we work the payments out i'd like to do it like this mm. how do you feel about that before you've even started yeah, getting yeah. any further lovely definitely yeah. don't put yeah. any material on site until you've agreed that your exposure in this case, the material is covered from day one. Mm. And you get that. Yeah. I mean, there is a little bit of trust both yeah. ways. But if, like Rogers said, if you've been recommended to them, they've been recommended to you, people will be in open arms to do whatever you want because they know the value of you and they want you on their job. Okay. So the, the, the other thorny issue there, I guess, is about cash. Because obviously a lot of people want to pay cash, a lot of building industries, let's not talk about any personal experiences here, let's just say that we know it exists, that people say, oh, I want to save the VAT, can we do cash? So at that point, you're on very dodgy ground, everyone's on dodgy ground, aren't they? I know, it's a terrible, it's a really terrible, uh, difficult part of 
part of life, unfortunately. So what I would there's say no to you, there's no contract if, here, if you're a small trader and you do are doing VAT, if you are charging VAT, so if you're if you're VAT, if you're over the VAT threshold, mm. you can become under the VAT threshold if you just charge your labour and get your get your clients to supply the material. So you might not make a margin. So on what the you're saying is keep yourself under the VAT threshold. Yeah. Therefore, you'll be twenty percent cheaper. Therefore, they'd be more likely to yes. pay you, and they and won't worry about paying you through legitimate at, sources. Yeah, yeah, they can pay you straight into the bank. And it's not, yeah, so, so they're not paying the VAT. So, yeah. think, so, so it's a bit unfair, really, isn't it? The way the government set it up, I think it's absolute nonsense because they're doing themselves out of money, aren't yeah. they? Really? You know? Yeah, and, and the other thing is, as well, um, if you are a small trader and you've got like um, you, you're a brickwork contractor, but you need a carpenter to come and do the roof. Engage them directly to the client. Otherwise, yeah, it's a lot of people took issue with that when you I know, said that. I was interested about that actually, because but I you're, do you're think losing your profit. You are. You're not losing your profit because there's um, another thing. People, I tell people how much a job's going to cost, and sometimes I even say my, what my profit margin is as well. Do you? So yeah. I say if this job's three thousand six hundred pounds, my profit margin is six hundred pounds. So mm. the job is four thousand two hundred. Mm. And if they say to me. Ah, well, generally professional people wouldn't. They expect you to make a profit. It's quite nice, actually, in a way, because you're telling them that's your profit and they're yeah. not thinking, go, I wonder how much he's making. There's no, there's no, you know, people respect it. People yeah. really respect it. If you're up front, say, this is how much I want to do the job and this I'll is my profit. I'll tell you the profit. other thing you do as well, which is probably a lot of people don't fully understand when, when you say, oh, I don't charge for the, you know, I don't put a markup on the brickets yeah. and all the other people. Yeah. It's because you actually charge the customer for managing the project. Yeah, exactly. You're charging that. them a fee yeah. for actually taking up project. Exactly through. that. And I think that's absolutely legitimate. Legitimate because basically, if you don't do that, what you're doing is you're disguising that in other people's yeah. labour. So you're saying, oh, the brickie is worth uh, £250 yeah. a day when actually you're paying him two, yeah. £200. Yeah. So, so that £50 is actually your project management fee, isn't yeah, it? And, and, you've, and you've disguised it. So yeah. you're actually better off saying to the customer, there's my project management fee. Everything is... So, yeah. so, so okay, so what you were saying, manage expectations, tell them how you're going to get paid, yeah. outline everything, put it all down on paper so they know exactly where they are. When you get to do extras... Because that's yes. a major, yeah. major dispute yeah. for people, yeah. isn't it? They're the ones that you don't get paid sometimes. So, as I said in podcast number one, it, as you're going, through, if you're doing the weekly payments and during the during that week, they've said, "Can you rehang that door? Can you supply us this over here?" You say, "I'll send you an email tonight," and you just outline it straight in the email. Again, price condition them. The door could be anywhere between two hundred and three hundred. The labour will be this. How do you want me to proceed? If they say yes, go ahead. Say get the work done and include it on the week as as uh, that you did it and get paid for it okay yeah. so that's the secret of that yeah excellent all right robin that's great to hear from you and um we'll come back and see you again and we'll do right. another one i no think problem. your wife is just arriving home so, yeah uh, I, I think uh, it's time we let you go yeah we, we, but we, we, we don't we forget we'll be back we'll be back and uh, keep listening keep watching thanks very much